The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. Live from Diva Loca, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I <laughs> you know, Whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program, with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock, from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, what blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? This is Doctor Who Podshock, episode 134 for the week of November 23rd, 2008, the 45th anniversary of our beloved Doctor Who. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello, hi. And across the great divide, Mr. James Norton. Hello, hi. <laughs> we have a spectacular episode in store for you uh, in honor of the 45th anniversary of Doctor Who, and we are getting this episode out early enough to hit this anniversary right on time. We have a very special guest on today's show, none other than the fifth Doctor himself, Mr. Peter Davison, who will be joining us in Boston. So this is actually a uh, a preview of what you'll be hearing in the future, uh, mm. a preview interview by phone with Peter Davison, uh, as he's getting ready to come to Boston, uh, to Cambridge, Massachusetts, to be exact, for the New England Fan Experience, November 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, 2008, on the anniversary of Doctor Who, right here in the good old U.S. of A. Peter Davison, along with Louis Trapani and I, and some of our uh, some of our fellow fans here in the United States, are having a chance to spend it with Peter Davison. So we have an interview coming up, but first, a quick look inside the Doctor Who newsroom. Well, the biggest news right now is the Children in Need special that was just out on, that just was, um, that was uh, transmitted on the BBC. They had their annual fundraiser event on Friday and they had a preview of two minutes worth of the opening pre-roll before the credits of next month's Christmas special, The Next Doctor. Mm, the next doctor, not as good as last year's time crash with Peter Davison and David Tennant. <laughs> How could it be? I, I mean, uh, children in need always a worthwhile endeavor, but uh, last year really hit the ball right out of the ballpark, as we say mm. here in the States. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Ken, because just looking across the web, and certainly I kind of felt a little bit disappointed because it didn't. Well, there's a few things that it's told us, but really nothing really surprising um, about it uh, so far as... I mean, it was a nice little preview, and I'm definitely looking forward to how it's going to pan out over Christmas. Um, But uh, I don't know if we should give a spoiler-free sort of uh, discussion, but it might be difficult otherwise. You want to bring the uh, spoiler alert? (laughs) But basically, the Doctor lands in... Uh, 1850 I think or something like that Uh, it it looks very Victorian anyway snowing uh, probably Christmas time and uh, he he finds himself in this massive courtyard there's a market and all sorts of things going on asks a little chap 
what year it is says oh well that's fine it's a bit boring and here's someone screaming for the doctor repeatedly so he runs uh, to this uh, lady and uh, who I'm here I'm here and uh, then another doctor appears who's uh, very very um kind of overacting a very flamboyant costume uh, not quite as flamboyant as Colin Baker's but getting there um and demands that he gets his sonic screwdriver which is in actual fact uh looking at the forums and things, and I, I didn't notice it yeah. at the time, but it's actually a real screwdriver rather than a sonic screwdriver. If you look at stills and things, it's, it's an a, analog a, screwdriver. It's an analog <laughs> as opposed to a digital screwdriver. <laughs> and uh, a what appears to be some form of cyber creature, not a cyberman, but something similar, although it looks Excellent. like it's made of bronze or something or, or, or rusted iron, bursts out of uh, a set of doors... And the two doctors uh, both scream allongy, so and point their sonic screwdrivers or indeed screwdrivers at the beast, whatever it is. So there's a lot of speculation out there as to what this is all about. Uh, and Ken, when we were off air, rightly suggested that it's it's almost uh, inspired by the Big Finish audio, the One Doctor. A brilliant where, episode with Colin Baker, I might add. Yeah, where uh, I haven't heard it, but from what Ken was saying, it's it's kind of like there's an imposter who's trying to make money off the doctor or something. Yeah, yeah, this guy is sort of impersonating the doctor in order to uh, extort money out of uh, a particular planet and people. And so he's this sort of um, real low-end version of, of the doctor. I mean, real just mm. cheesy and he he... he He's just using the doctor's name. Now, uh, one of the things that James mentioned uh, off air was that there's some suggestion that this is a movie set, which I actually love the idea of. So Mm. I think that's a great idea that that he stumbles on a set where they're making a movie about him. Uh, It it could lead to some very witty dialogue and some fun situations. Mm, Imitation is is, is flattery, perhaps. Yeah. but it's great that um, David Morrissey's uh, on board with this because he's a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, David Tennant and him have worked alongside with, with, with Blackpool, which is a fantastic series. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and it's, it's nice that it's wet the appetite, but I was kind of expecting a bit more, particularly as we had this whole discussion about, you know, every doctor being um, in. Yeah, the, the rumored of the, the seven doctors that appeared in one of the tabloids which was um false clearly false. <laughs> unless there's some form of easter egg that uh, that i've missed but but never mind. um but it's, it's going to be interesting how this will tie in um because uh we, we we made a discussion i think maybe at the same time that we talked about the, the whole seven doctors thing is that a scene was filmed in the tardis kind of like um the previous uh, finales where they've had a, a, a tie-in mm-hmm. to the Christmas special, be it yes. the Titanic bursting through the mm-hmm. doors, Donna appearing on the, the, in the TARDIS and things like that, where the Cybermen were there. And that yes. was going to be the tie-in to um, the, the... And there are photographs the of, that, of those scenes in the, in the, the new book, yes. Doctor Who, and Writer's uh, Guide. Writer's the Writer's Tale, Tale. yeah. And it's it's going to be an extra on the dvd that's been confirmed i believe now it's going to be an extra on the dvd um so it's that's interesting the how that's the, 
just in time for the Christmas special, uh, almost Indeed. as its own preview. Yeah, and so it's interesting that this is the first two minutes of the uh, of the, right. the Christmas mm-hmm. special. So it's going to be interesting how they would have worked that in. I don't know whether. Um, they've well, just maybe filmed that, that explains why it wasn't in. Maybe they decided that let's, it let's wouldn't make open, sense. Yeah, let's or, open the yeah. show differently than we originally had planned. Or, or perhaps they were thinking that they might do something for children in need again, because they had to work time crash around the Titanic bursting through last year. So, yes, that's true. And they, they did that, uh, quite cleverly, didn't they? By inserting it beforehand, <laughs> um, bit of a, a paradox there maybe, but. Hence is such is the world of Doctor Who. So, of course. but it's 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 nice little way to to whet our appetite because um, it's not been confirmed that it's going to be broadcast on Christmas Day, and uh, such is the way with TV scheduling at the in the modern day is that uh, we won't know until a few weeks before whether the episode will be broadcast on Christmas Day. I know why but would you want is, fifteen is, or twenty? It is confirmed for the twenty fifth. At least, is it definitely now? Yes, it was uh, one of the uh, the press releases had it as the 25th. Great. It's changed of since. course, why would you not want to have 20 million viewers? <laughs> why would you want to limit yourself? You know, I, well, I this is it. But the BBC sometimes have been known to make a, a, a few cock-ups due to, to mis- mismanagement. Uh, Michael Grade uh, uh, <laughs> no, mentioning no names. Um <laughs> But uh, if, if it is going to be on Christmas Day, that's fine. They were worried it's going to compete with the primeval Christmas special? Perhaps. Who, who can say? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, that may be another story that's appearing in the sun. Uh, the headline yeah, I know. Tomorrow. If I'm not careful, I'm cr- uh, if I get so if I get really lucky, tomorrow's sun will have all my cockamamie ideas splashed all, all over. All of the your suits, yeah, yeah. But it's a nice little way to whet our appetites, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know what you guys think. Some well, people have kind of been disappointed. No, I, I mean I agree with you, James. I, I think um, David Morrissey read my appetite. I just had recently seen him in the film, the 2007 film, The Water Horse, and I thought he was excellent in that. And uh, you know, it's it, in a way it's sort of disappointing that he's playing a you know not a real doctor because. I know Ken had mentioned this before. It would be great to one day do a regeneration story where you actually see the the upcoming Doctor incorporated in a Doctor Who story before. Well, it's a time travel show. Why can't we? Yeah. So other than the practical idea that we haven't cast the next Doctor. Well, that's not to say that this still can't happen because Colin Baker appeared as another character in the series before (laughs) he appeared as the Doctor. So the Doctor could somehow, you know imprinted that face on uh, you know and when he regenerated use that to um to regenerate into i don't know who knows he was had and lala ward the same way with romana yes yeah <laughs> that's true that's true well that's true. um you know i i know everybody's kind of down on this christmas special but christmas specials are always supposed to be something uh very light and family oriented and the mm. cybermen <laughs> present the bad guys and there's going to be some action anytime you have the cybermen but you also if this is a, a doctor imposter and it's going to be a bit comedic well that's perfect for christmas it's not supposed to be mm. a heavy doomsday style story it's supposed to be a light fun family christmasy kind of story so well, to have think, a uh, a guy running around pretending he's the doctor and there's a there's a lot of um a lot of that old-fashioned slapstick, um, you know, wrong wrong identity kind of thing going on. That's perfect for Christmas. Perfect. Mm. 
Merry mm. Christmas, Merry Christmas, and now you will be deleted. <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. Who can say I'd like to see Cybermen with little Santa hats on or something like that, covered in tinsel or, or whatever. Look like Christmas ornaments, really. <laughs> in a way, the, the, with I the redesign. Cybermen Christmas ornament. I think that would be great. We just need some gold ones as well. We have silver and gold Cybermen. Hang them on mm. your Christmas tree. They're allergic mm. to gold. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been we've been bantering on, and and we do have something uh, very important. Uh, but before we take our brief break and then come back with uh, Peter Davison, uh, well, I want to first say thank you very much to everybody who's made some contributions to Doctor Who Podshock in the, in the last couple of weeks. It, thank you very much. It's been a big help um, in in offsetting some of the server costs and the costs associated with doing a podcast. So. Doctor Who Podshock is made possible by listeners like you and by the three of us getting together. Yeah. Uh, well, and, also, uh, in, in that respect, the, we want to thank our sponsor, the New England Fan Experience, who I just want to make an announcement because it falls into the news category that we want to announce that in addition to celebrating 45 years of Doctor Who in Boston with Peter Davison, Eric Roberts, who played the Master, and Eliza Roberts, who played Mirinda. Um, am I pronouncing her name right? Miranda? Mirinda? Mm-hmm. In the 1996 video movie that starred Paul McGann as the Doctor, are both now appearing alongside Peter Davison in the uh, at the New England Fan Experience, celebrating 45 years of Doctor Who, and that's again this coming weekend, November 21st to the 23rd, and we're hoping to see everyone there. You know, obviously, everyone that can make it there. Absolutely, Lewis and I will be wandering around. We always look forward to talking with everybody. It's great to to put a lot of people put our faces to our voices but it's just as cool to put faces to emails and audio feedback and all that kind of stuff so it's always it's a it's a great time to for everybody to get a chance to meet each other and hang out and it should be a lot of fun mm-hmm. so that's this weekend coming yeah. up it's run by the united fan con so it's been around for a while if you've been to one of the events you know the high 20, 20 years now right uh, well close to i think it's like 17 years still somewhere in that ballpark so it uh, celebrates not only Doctor Who, but other science fiction, science fact, technology, pop culture, gaming, anime. And you can find out more about it. And, and, and they have a host of other guests, everyone from David Logan, who played young Boba Fett. To, Daniel Logan. Daniel yes, Logan. Daniel Logan. I'm sorry. <laughs> have David Tennant on the mind. I don't know. Uh, to um, Mark Goodard, who played um, Major West in Lost in Space, and um, Robert Picardo, who played the Doctor. So in a sense, you're gonna, it's a two-doctors uh, convention because you're <laughs> yes. going to have – the doctor along with doctor <laughs> and uh, eric roberts was just in the dark knight probably the biggest movie of the summer That's so true. he's the he's batman bringing a batman the, begins sequel oh my goodness it's it's, it's going to be huge this convention is going to be in, incredible story musgrave one of the legendary nasa astronauts is going to be there as well uh you know this guest from anime this guest from real science true science um as well as Science fiction, fact, fantasy, everything. So, so if you go good to times. www.nefanx, or I should say nefanx.com, it will get you there. Yes. So that's this weekend, November 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 2008. And, and uh, Lewis and I, of course, will be traveling there along with Billy and Chris and Tris and, and, our, and our Podshock traveling roadshow. A little caravan <laughs> going up there. Uh, also, I want to make a mention that my uh, my friend Clive will be there as well doing his fan film presentation. He tr- he travels around. He's a, a noted author and and has a great presentation on on fan films. Um, and uh, he will be at the uh, New England Van Experience as well. So cool stuff. 
All right. Well, that's um, also quick uh, reminder that um, that both in the U.S. and U.K. there is the Podshock store uh, with various um, things like the T-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that to show your support. If you're heading out and you want to wear your Podshock pride, you just put it on and away you go. So, all right, we'll be right back with Peter Davison right after this. This is Keith Davison, and you're listening to the Doctor Who Pop Shock. What's that? It's a sonic screwdriver. Never fails. Drop the sonic device. Isn't my day, is it? Even the sonic screwdriver won't get me out of this one. Are you seeking Doctor Who news? The Sonic News Driver. Selected Doctor Who related news stories delivered sonically. All in a bite-sized podcast. No bigger than a jelly baby. This can function as a sonic blaster, a sonic cannon, and a triple and folded sonic disruptor. Doc, what you got? I've got a sonic... Oh, never mind. What? It's sonic. Okay, let's leave it at that. Disruptor, cannon, what? It's sonic. Totally sonic. I am sonic to A sonic what? Screwdriver! The Sonic News Driver. Find it on iTunes or go to sonicnewsdriver.com. Who has a sonic screwdriver? I do. The Sonic News Driver. Get yours today, sonically. Neat, isn't it? And we're back on Doctor Who Podshock, Ken Deep, Lewis Trapani, James Naughton, back with you. It is our huge privilege to welcome to the show the man, the legend, Mr. Peter Davison, Doctor Number 5. Welcome, Peter. I can't possibly say anything after that. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> well, it's been 22 years since Lewis and I last interviewed you, and you, I know I know you remember it just like it was yesterday. But uh, but first, let's I can start tell off you by what saying, I had to eat. <laughs> let's let's start off by saying that you are going to be at the New England Fan Experience on the weekend of November 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, 2008, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, for uh, for a sci-fi related convention. And uh, Lewis and I will be there, and, and only a few days from this recording, we'll have a chance to to meet up with you again and, and hopefully speak with you a little bit more. And so that's our shameless plug for the for the podcast, <laughs> saying that um, it's been a while. Actually, a couple years ago, you were in Massachusetts as well for for a um, <clears throat> almost the very same. That's convention. right. That's right. Yes, I was. That's right. But, yeah, that wasn't too long ago. I can remember most of that. <laughs> this time around. Uh, we'll have the chance to meet you after you've made an appearance only about a year ago uh, in Time Crash in a return to Doctor Who. And so mm-hmm. my my first question off the bat is, 
Um, going back now, you, you've come back for Time Crash, and you also uh, have returned to playing the Doctor in the Big Finish audios as well. What's the yeah. difference? What happened in that gap between when you last played the Doctor and now? Is there anything that you you um, were thinking about? How, how is it to return to that? Is it easy? Is it uh, is it difficult? Do you have any ideas as to where you want to go? Something that you wanted to do a little bit differently. No, there was um, uh, simply in the making of it. There was a fantastic uh, um, continuity uh, for me because uh, you know basically <laughs> I had uh, the same director for Time Crash uh, as I, I, I had for um, Caves of Androzani. So from that point of view, it was uh, it was a fantastic continuity. I you know had, had doing the the big finished uh, uh, big finished CDs over the years. My doctor's kind of, you know, I've been doing this for some time now, and he had developed a, a, a bit more. I, I love doing the audio CDs. They're great fun to do. Uh, and I guess I'd become, I, I'd become a little bit more uh, um, the way, a bit a little grumpier. <laughs> I'd got a little older, older, which is kind of what happens to you in life. So I guess it was just, um, you know, me reflecting the, the, the way I, I, I sort of have gone out. You know, when I, when I first started doctor, I remember, um, you know, I did a little sort of semi-imitation of William Hartnell uh, in uh, um, Gastrovalva because it was the, you know, he was my first doctor, Patrick Trump was my second. I found it much easier to play the kind of William Hartnell side of my character when I did Time Crash. <laughs> Is there a risk in returning to a character after such a long time? Is there a what? Sorry. Is there a risk? There's a risk. No, you know, I've never felt there was a risk. I, I, um, when I did when I did Doctor Who originally, I never imagined, you know, that it, it would stay with me for more than a, a, a year after I'd stopped doing it. Because at the time I started, the convention circuit and uh, the fandom side of things was really only just starting. I mean, it had marvelous audiences, but they weren't the kind of real diehard fans. They were kind of, it, was, it was growing in their kind of their hearts all that time. Um, so uh, when I was then asked to go back to it at various points over the years, I, you know, I just kind of em embraced it. I've never felt that it, it held me back in any way. I was lucky enough to be offered lots of work after Doctor Who, and that has been a problem for some of the other doctors because there, that, there is a risk in that. But I don't really see a risk in, um, you know, there's a risk inherent in playing a part like the Doctor. Sometimes you, you know, you'll be up for something else. Someone will think about you for something, and, and then they'll go, oh, but he, he has been Doctor Who. The latest series that Russell T. Davies you know, brought the show back uh, a few years ago was considered mm. like this this re-envisioning and this rebooting of the series. But you were actually involved in a in, in almost a similar reboot back when you took over the part. John Nathan Turner just came in. There were uh, enormous changes to to make to very deliberately make the show different. Um, yeah. Is it, uh, is it um, fun to see them try it again and see them go through this process? Well, this was, I mean, looking, it did seem, uh, as you put it, like a major reboot when I, when I took over. We had, a new, we had a new TARDIS console. Yeah, it did seem at the time like a major reboot, but on reflection, really, it wasn't that much of a change. Uh, you know, the was still filmed in exactly the same way. We were still working before <clears throat> any kind of digital effects. You know, we had a, a sort of primitive um, CSO, uh, you know, color surface overlay, I think they called it, uh, in which mo we did most of our special effects by that means. 
the difference now is, of course, the show, when they had the kind of reboot, they, there was a major reboot for this series because the whole technology had changed so enormously. Um, so this, you know, my, my, the change in my time was, was nothing compared to the change between, you know, the, what they call the classic series now and uh, um, the new adventures. Well, you're sort of the model for some of the things that have happened, your doctor and your era are uh, is sort of the model for what's going on today. I mean, you have a younger doctor. You were the first yes. one at, at the time. Yeah. And, and and to do That's this sort true. of reboot. So uh, yeah. it, is that, um, does that warm your heart at all? It does in a way. Yes, it does. I must admit, because, um, you, you know, my day when I was cast, people, you know, uh, there was there was a kind of old, too young reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you say, now uh, I think the, the doctor has sort of been established as a much younger figure. So immediately, it kind of places my um, my doctor, you know, in much better relief. You know, I, I think uh, um, I, I know that when certainly over here. Uh, when the first, when the new series of Doctor Who stopped uh, at the end of the series, and um, they had reruns of the old series on the other channels, uh, that my programs were among the most popular because they had just suddenly then got used to a younger Doctor. So, yeah, and and of course you had, you know, the reason I ended up doing Time Crash was because I was David Tennant's Doctor, and and so that's who he wanted to do. The scene with so it was, that was you know great so I feel that I, I in a way I feel like I made the connection between the uh, the classic series and the updated version. Was there a sense of reverence on the set when you're there, almost a, a seeking of your approval, your stamp of approval? Do you know I think there probably was, but I can't say that I was really aware of it because I I, I mean it wasn't the e- it, it was a very strange uh, circumstance when we did Time Crash because I was in my old outfit. Uh, which uh, I did just about get in. Uh, and uh, there I was on a set, which was totally, if you give the pun, alien to me. It was nothing like the set, you know, that we used to film, uh, we used to shoot Doctor Who on. This is a standing purpose-built set that they have now. And it was very much David, David Tennant's territory. <clears throat> um, uh, and he was, he was enormously welcoming. There was nothing that anyone was doing to make me feel like that. But... I was feeling myself uh, quite trepidatious. So I didn't, I didn't immediately notice that people, people were kind of reverential towards me. But I think actually, from what other people have said, that they, they were. <laughs> I don't particularly, uh, you know, feed off that. But so, but um, it's, it's very nice. It's very nice. But you know, I was feeling almost as if I was the only one being dragged up and you know, up to date. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, let's face it, the program now from uh, Russell T. Davis, Phil Collins, and Mark Gates, you know, the, the program now is really being made, and Stephen Moffat, he's now the new producer, the program is now being made by um, people who are fans of the old series, mm. uh, which I think has done uh, done a great favor to the, the, the program. That, that being said, why would you be nervous heading onto the set? I wouldn't say exactly nervous. You're just slightly, not like coming home. You know, if, if, they'd been, if I'd been going back to David Tennant's set uh, in Studio 8 of the BBC, I think I would have felt absolutely fine. And, you know, they hadn't, but it was just that it was, it was a very different program. You know, so, uh, um, 
Uh, each, you know, the classic series is, is a very different program to the new series. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who have the new series much better, some people who still prefer the old series. Uh, it, it, is a it has been a major change, not only in the structure of the stories, you know, the way they're, the, the way they're sort of they're put together over the course of a season. Uh, whereas we did four-parters, uh, they were longer. Um, so it's, it's a very, the nature of it, although it, it, it is a, a, um, very much a sort of tribute to the old series, it is very different. So I just, I was sort of finding my way around. By the time we got to the afternoon and we nearly finished the scene, I was feeling uh, um, completely at home and, and could indeed have gone on for much longer. Uh, but then I finished, so I had to go at home. Because I know that you um, visited the... the the set while they were filming, but did, was that the first time that you'd been on the, the sort of new revamped TARDIS set, if you like? Yes, that was the first time I'd been down to Cardiff, yeah. I see. It, was there a reaction uh, from new fans to the series? Now, to you were, the, you were, as you said, the bridging between the classic series yeah. and the modern series. Have, have you noticed a reaction? Well, I've noticed that uh, I, I am now enormously, much enormously more recognisable as the doctor by a younger generation because what what used to happen of course was that um you know they may see the old stories uh, but they'd see me as i was in 1981 or two and then they would meet me or they'd see me in the street or see me in the playground and uh, i would be sort of changed somewhat shall we say politely well of course after i did time crash they saw me as i am now so the moment i sort of walked into my son's school in the playground the next time i had children coming up and going ah oh, you were the doctor you were the doctor so i noticed <laughs> that they now recognize me as the doctor uh, which is is nice actually because you don't have to kind of try and explain that the program was made many many years ago when um, before they were born hmm. Hmm. Well, Peter Davison is with us. Uh, he's going to be at the New England Fan Experience November 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 2008 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And, uh, Lewis, what is the website for, um, for that? They just changed the URL to the website, and it, is, it will still get you there. If you go to www.nefe.us, it will bring you there. They recently updated it so it will be easier to remember. I believe it's ne fanx.com so in other words new england fan experience is it's an it's a an acronym i guess of version of pre yeah, so um nefanx.com -E will get you there okay not easy to say <laughs> or nefe.us -E will get you there i've Peter just Davis checked is, it is appearing uh live at the convention uh back here in the united states we are enormously grateful that that he will be joining us and uh, we'll have a chance to to follow up with a lot of these questions uh, one one last question if, if i could uh about your daughter being involved in the series making a, a very prominent uh guest starring role as of all things the doctor's daughter how fitting was that right. and, uh, <laughs> well the story behind it is that she went up for um a, another part in um last season and um they uh, uh, offered her the part, um, uh, 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 and then about a day after they offered her a part, they came back and said, look, um, if you want to do this part, that's fine, but there is a part that's coming up later in the year that we think would be even more perfect for you. Uh, so they, she kind of took them on trust and went, okay, I'll wait for that. And that, that, that part was um, the doctor's daughter. 
So you think that um, there was def- definitely an intention there to cast her with that sort of double meaning behind it? Well, I, I, it obviously, it obviously, there was obviously, obviously a thought of that. Yes, I think um, in the end, um, knowing which the other part was, which I won't tell you, but knowing what the other part that she was offered was, it was a much nicer part, the, the Jenny character that she played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it, obviously, it did. It was very. It, it seems absolutely in their plans. They obviously had they'd commissioned the script because you know it was it had already sort of been written in its basic form. So they'd written a script. Whether it was called the Doctor's Daughter at that point, I don't know. Or whether maybe the, the, I think having got Georgia uh, to do the part, having offered her the part, maybe then they thought, what a good title this is. Uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, um, I don't, I don't know the details of that. But yeah, no, I think she was great in it. Did you give her any advice on being in Doctor Who? Uh, she, I, I really, I, you know, she is a very, uh, very sort of um, self-confident and, and I think very good actress. And I, I don't sort of give her my old-fashioned advice unless she asks for it. Okay. Um, which she, which she, she doesn't really, you know. I mean, she's you know, she's uh, she's got things all that sort I think. Did you know about the part? Uh, before she did, was there any any indication like that, or or did you get a phone call saying, "Hey, Dad, guess what? I'm going to be in Doctor Who as well." Well, no, she rang me up literally, and she said, "I'm going to for Doctor Who." Then after she been up for it, she said, "Oh, they also need this part. This part, I've got to find Doctor Who play." And then she rang me up that day and then said, "Oh, they just rang up and they said, um, uh, if I wait, they've got a better part." And I just thought, well, if it's a better part, no, I think, I think, I think Phil Collinson had said to her, it is perfect for this, this part. It is so perfect. Just wait and see. <laughs> so I knew that there was something particular about it. Although right. I didn't know the details of it until she actually got the script and, and then she read it. <laughs> What is what is a typical day like for you? Today you're you're on uh, with us here on on Doctor Who Podcast. But what uh, I'm I'm sure people are curious about um, your your day of work or how you go about your just an average day being Peter Davison. I mean, you we can only imagine what it's like to be an actor who played the Doctor and and have that yeah. sort of ambassador status around the world. It's probably better. I don't even tell you anything. Go. Um, you know, I, I, I'm aware. I've, I've always been a bit oblivious. Uh, um, until recently, I, I, I took. To, I had a wore a hat everywhere I went. I've now decided I've got a bad hat because um, I don't know. Because I can't be bothered really. So I, 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 if if someone is with me, if I'm walking around town and with, uh, um, with somebody, they tend to notice heads turning far more than I do. I don't really notice it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I spend I, I'm really sort of a really simple life apart from I'm getting off to Boston. Um, so it's not particularly exciting, no, I wouldn't have said. Uh-huh. Although from outside, I guess, you know, it's like everything, isn't it? You, look, you, you know, you look at someone else's life, you probably think, this is, ah, this is fantastic. But everyone sort of does much the same thing in their own way. Mm. Except I do, you know, I do get recognised and I do sort of... Um, you know, I've also found myself signing autographs in um, this food store and things like that. <laughs> but I've, I've sadly I've never been chased around very much, so I haven't seen I haven't seen rock status or anything like that. Well, like something week. out of a, a hard day's night or something. <laughs> no, not quite. But I'm waiting for Boston to sort that out. Yes, yes. yes. Screaming <laughs> <laughs> fans this way. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, as we said, you're going to be at the New England Fan Experience this weekend. That's the November 21st to the 23rd. 
And, um, you yeah. know, Sue, we know through the advice of the late Patrick Troughton, you kept your run in the role as the doctor to, to three years. And yeah. But after that, you always maintained a good relationship with fans. You you, you continued to do conventions. You did the Big Finish yeah. Audio Adventures, the DVD commentaries. By the way, you do an excellent job on the DVD commentaries. I always enjoy your your input and, and, and humor. In that. <laughs> They're not too strong for you. We have fun doing them. They're sometimes great. They say, uh, sometimes they make us go back and say, I'm just being a little more nice about that bit. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they're fun. And, and in fact, I was just reviewing one of the um, time a time flight recently, and you had made a comment in the conversation that the the diehard fans of the day when you were do playing the Doctor are the are the people doing the series now. And I thought it was a, a a nice prelude to the time crash because that was a homage to you as the Doctor, and and I think that deliberately speaks to your comment that you made in that DVD commentary even before yeah. Time Crash came out. But, but where I was going at was that I do, on behalf, if I could speak on behalf of all fans, that we really appreciate your involvement and your continued, um, you know, appreciation We is, is what I'm getting at, is that we do appreciate everything that yeah. you do. I know it's you don't have to do it, but you do it. Yeah. No, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. You know, I have... Uh, you know, I always watched something when I was young. I wasn't the sort of die-hard, avid fan that Russell T. Davis or Stephen Moffat uh, was, but, but I, you know, I've always enjoyed sort of Doctor Who and, and indeed science fiction. So, in a way, it, I, I find them. Uh, I wouldn't say exactly counted the, the the conventions and the fans because obviously I've been ridiculous, but I do enjoy you know keeping contact with the program. And in that, there's a moment in in Time Crash where. Um where David Tennant gets oh, to speak to you directly, almost as David Tennant to Peter Davison, saying, you know, you were my doctor. And there are many of us who felt that exact same thing. It was probably the most heartwarming part of that moment because um, you're my doctor as well. I started watching Doctor Who in your era, and to me, you set the standard. You you put the bar very high, and everybody else had to meet up to your your standard and and so that moment happened it was it was almost like it was hey he talked is he talking about me you know like it, it, everyone really uh, appreciates what it is that you've done yeah. and and we as fans want to say thank you very much and it's going to be great to thank see you very much you're on uh as a matter of fact this sunday the 23rd will be the 45th anniversary of the show we're going to get a chance to, right. to spend it with the fifth doctor that's just top notch and uh, it it'll be the 25th anniversary of the five doctors is it one of those things that you you've got to rub your eyes or something and say holy cow it's been that long i know i cannot believe it it makes me feel very old when you say it. it's very nice it's very nice everything you said uh, um uh, but yes it is a long time ago isn't it goodness me <laughs> well, we, our intention was not to make you feel old. That's that's no, no, I know that. No, no, no. It, in a way, you know, you kind of ratified that you're still around. I'm very, I very, some, I'm very happy to still be to still be around and working and and you know uh, and uh, doing doing well. So it's it's great and it's great to look back at these things. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I I I I'm very gratified when on occasion my children actually take an old DVD of me out of the cupboard. Mm. And, and watch it. I remember watching the five doctors only about a week and a half ago. Wow. Mm. Well, they they enjoyed it as well. They enjoy it. 
Looking forward, though, um, now that David Tennant has uh, announced that he's going to do the, the mini-series, so to speak, in this, this coming yeah. year, who would you yeah. like to see enter the role as the Doctor? I mean, I know that there's, there's all sorts of bets going around as to who is going to be on the show next, but I, I would really like to hear you know, who you'd like to see walk into the role. You know, I, I have not given, I, there was a time when they were, that I was asked this question about 10 years ago, um, when I, you know, my suggestion uh, was David Warner, but he, of course, is the older generation, and I don't think they're going to cast anyone who is uh, over 35, mm. I would guess. I think, I, I, unless someone comes in, Stephen Moffat has a kind of rethink, I know that Russell T. Davis would, didn't think that the part to be played by anyone older than that. Mm. Or, or they're on that age, anyway. <clears throat> um, I haven't really given any thought to uh, who I would think would play the part, actually. I don't, I think I'm pretty sure uh, that none of the names that I have heard mentioned are in the line. Right. I'm pretty That's... sure about that. You know, you, you instantly get these names branded around. I mean, I know, I know when the news of David leaving was on the, it was on the, it was on the 9 o'clock news, they immediately mentioned three names. Uh, and uh, um, none of those, in my sort of uh, knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes, has ever been mentioned. So I think, although they, they, I think they just randomly come up with names. <laughs> I think yes. sometimes uh, people suggest their own names. I sure. have heard that. I did hear one actor who actually emailed the doctor office and said, I want to uh, play this part. And then obviously they named the, the press. Yes. <laughs> and and then get the... Then in the I, I don't think any decision has been made. And, and I don't, I've not really sat down and thought about it. Right. Uh, so yeah, you think it's all yeah, largely just misdirection maybe and uh, just to mm -hmm. kind of... It's misdirection, in a sense, trying to draw people away from the set. I think so, yeah. I don't think they mind these names coming into the frame because um, it fills the gap until they actually uh, think of who they'd like to play it. But I would suspect it would be someone whose name you're not very familiar with unless you're well up on the sort of, you know, that kind of uh, good underbelly of British uh, actors who are around. Yeah. yeah. I think... I, I think for my my kind of instinct says that it will be definitely be an actor, so <laughs> as opposed to a comedian or something. As you opposed know. to comedian <laughs> presenter or anybody else who may may have come up. My instinct, I don't know that from any kind of information on the inside, but I know that uh, as I do is that uh, I believe is that you have to sort of have an actor. Yes. Um, it's quite important, you know. You know, it's not it's a it's a it's not an easy job to do, and it, and there are things that you know people who are actors are tremendously successful, tremendously good in some things. But I just think for Doctor Who, you need to have some, you know, someone who can kind of has uh, got a sort of range. Yeah, because it's interesting because every time that this that you know there's this transition, they're always kind of almost uh, ridiculous suggestions thrown around. I heard, uh, like, yeah. David Dickinson and, and Bill Bailey yeah. and things. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. But they, they, you just regard those. But they're also names of sort of people I've, I've heard, and then you think, no, they're not going to do it. You know, yeah. not gonna, they're not going to chance it. They're going to so you need to get someone who can, you know, especially now when, um, 
you know, they kind of explore the kind of emotional side of the doctor quite a lot now in the, in the new series. And I think that you do need, you do need someone who can pull it off. Mm. And um, we have kind of different makeup. I could go more do what a, a um, stand-up comedian does on Fight the Moon. And, they, and I think that there is a difference in the way we approach things. You know, and I just think that you need to, you know, I'm full of admiration for, for a lot of the, you know, the various people, but I think you just need to have someone who can do, do, do it. Mm, yeah. mm. My feeling, anyway. But I don't know that. That's just my instinct. I'm sure they will go for an actor. Yeah, uh, uh, and by an actor we mean uh, somebody who is 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 well set in in drama because I think that's I mean really yeah. a lot of people class it not as a sci-fi show anymore but as a as a as a drama series because I guess in in many ways it is so yeah I can well completely... yes and certainly and certainly in terms of the BBC's point of view it is much more I mean it's it's you know Doctor Who now it's it's paid much more attention to. Uh, uh, you know, we we had enormous sort of overseas sales and enormous and good very good viewing figures. I mean, we kind of in diaper viewing figures that we used to get, but but it, it's now viewed as a kind of almost like a the the um, you know premier BBC drama. It's that it's got that kind of focus on it, you know. Mm, mm, mm. Certainly, that's how they seem to market it uh, worldwide as well. So, my yeah, co-host. Yeah. Um, my co-host Louis Trapani has always suggested that in those episodes in the current series where um, the doctor – they call them Dr. Light episodes where they're required to um, to minimize, let's say, David Tennant's role a bit in order for him oh, to yeah. work on the finale. He's up. always yeah. suggested that that's a perfect opportunity to have a flashback and bring a classic doctor back in, in perhaps a flashback yeah, role. Jolly good idea. I mean, I, I know it's of course they had a very. I mean, the, the time crash script that I did was very, very, a very, very good script. Was Stephen Moffat had written it, and he very cleverly, you know, threw in a thing about why I was looking older than I should have done. But that is the problem with the old any of the old doctors is we should, in theory, look like we did in, um, uh, you know, whenever we did the series. In my case, eighty one to eighty four. I think with uh, this new series, they very cleverly left a David Tennant on um, the par- in a parallel universe, um, so he can always sort of be that he can grow old. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, if the series runs long enough, David Tennant could come back in twenty years, twenty years older. Yeah. Because you know, there's the Doctor, there's the Doctor in a parallel universe that went off his rose. Well, it's interesting that you say if if the show runs another twenty years, because who would have thought that we would be sitting here forty five years in, continuing to talk about Doctor Who? Um, That's true. But you know what? I think fans would look at it through rose colored glasses. We would just be happy if you were there, and it doesn't matter that if it it doesn't look identical. That's nice. To 1984 <laughs> or 82 or whatever. You know what? You're yeah. back. You would be back, and we would just be ecstatic. So um, okay, I'm, I'm, if if there are any powers that be out there that are listening to this, that's our suggestion. And, and, and we're, we're going to keep hammering it home until we see you in another episode. That is provided that Mr. It. Davis wants to do it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always said... I always said that you know, but then when I, I, over the years, actually really from the day I left and I've been attending conventions, I've always been asked the question, uh, would you like to come back and would, would you do Doctor Who again um, if you were offered it? And the answer I, I have consistently given 
is I like to be offered the role when I was about 60 and do it until I drop. So that's about, that's about perfect. That's about perfect timing. <laughs> you, hear, you heard it here, folks. Uh, the, new to- the, new, the new actor playing the doctor is Peter Davison. Taking over that's right. Like didn't say any names. You know, this, this could be all over the world by morning. You know that, don't you? <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll be the headline news in the sun or, you know, <laughs> Daily Mail or whatever. <laughs> Well, Mr. Yeah. Peter Davison, we want, we've taken up way too much of your time. We, we really appreciate the, the generosity of, of coming onto the show and, and chatting with us uh, today. And we look forward okay. to seeing you in Boston this weekend. All right. That's lovely. Well, okay. Peter Davison has been our guest here on Doctor Who Podshock, and we'll see everybody this weekend in Boston for our New England fan experience with Peter Davison. series of excerpts from the recent podcast of Just a Doctor Who New York Minute. Viewer discretion is advised. This is Just a Minute. Now the rules of Just a Minute are I'm going to give our contestants a subject to speak on for one minute. They're going to try and get through that minute without deviation, so they can't deviate from the subject, any other kind of deviation. (laughs) Repetition, so they can't repeat words or any hesitation and they will try and catch each other out. So you have a minute to talk on the fires of Pompeii. The fires of Pompeii are a gynecological problem caused <laughs> oh, largely by... Is that deviation? I like, I like the way he's going, so... <laughs> I'm not giving you a point. Does the audience not like me? No. No? No! <laughs> it's not just the audience, though. <laughs> Your subject is that boardwalk trips up in episode six of the Keys of Marinus. How many seconds do we have? Eight seconds. <laughs> Take that long, so it's on. String it out. <laughs> no, you don't. How do you know? You don't remember. Yes, I do. That's TV. Oh, shut up. I was there. You have no way of knowing this. That's a fictional character. In yes. A, a repetition of problems. And okay, a yes, that's true. There's no problem. There's no medical <laughs> diagnosis. I'm sorry, I, I can't see you tonight because I've got to put ointment on my curse of the Daleks. It's <laughs> to play devil's advocate for a moment. If you were a Dalek, you might say that. But he's not. He's actually honestly human. Me, me, look like that. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> You can find the full version of this and our future podcasts at www.dwny.org.
And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. So, fantastic interview there, of course, but we would like to uh, get onto some feedback now. It's uh, been a while, but we're going to focus just on emails. We've got, uh, we've had quite a few in this week, well, since last week we read out feedback on the show. But Ken, do you want to give an announcement first? I believe I you had something to cover. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, no, only because we just got, I just got an email. Lewis and I both uh, received an email. Lewis had reached out to our friend Joshua Liu out in LA. Uh, just, just, uh, West you know, Coast I, correspondent. A West Coast correspondent being that the, the fires have been crazy around Los Angeles. And, you know, uh, of course, our uh, thoughts are with People who are living out on the on the West Coast, um, is, this is getting to be a little bit, you know, out of control out there. And so uh, we're, you know, we were thinking about some of our friends on the West Coast and and hoping they were all right. So we had, Lewis had emailed Joshua um, just to make sure everything was cool, and he he just just emailed back as we were recording saying that he was and, and everything was cool. But I'm going to give him a shameless plug right now. He was a he's a, an assistant director on on a few different um, shows and movies and such out on out in Hollywood. He's a Hollywood big shot and he's going to be on the TV show Girls Next Door, which is a takes place in the on the Playboy Mansion with the the playmates, lucky son of a gun. <laughs> uh, and and they shot a movie. Uh, uh, one of the playmates is producing uh, this movie, and and he was the assistant director on it. And um, he actually has a, a part in in some of the upcoming Girls Next Door episodes. So keep your eye out. I think Sunday nights at 10 p.m. on the E Channel is where you can find Girls Next Door. So keep your eye out for Doctor Who geek Joshua Liu uh, as he rocks out on uh, Girls Next Door. Geeks made good. Uh, he's, he's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a Doctor Who fan and hang out with Hef. So uh, that's Why my not? that's my plug for him. So good work, Josh. Yeah, who's to say that Hef isn't a Doctor Who fan? You never know. I, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there would be nice hope for us yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for that, Ken. Moving on to some emails then. We've had a nice lengthy one here from, from Rassilon, who's emailed him many, many times before. He says, greetings and salutations all. Being out of work as I am, I have a lot of downtime waiting for calls to come in regarding jobs. My mornings are spent applying and they're leaving voicemail, so my latter morning after 10am I have some time to read, listen and watch Doctor Who related things. Lots of time to listen to Doctor Who Podshock then. And in the evenings, the puzzles continue as we listen to previous Podshocks getting ourselves caught up. They are all good, but I have to say John Levine is fantastic. His tone, enthusiasm and mostly enjoyable the way he says Ken and Lewis repeatedly. Great fun listening to him. I was lucky enough to meet him once a long time ago. I had collected all the Doctor Who Target novels. I had one left to find, Genesis of the Daleks. At all the Doctor Who, uh, sorry, at Icon, I found it. Turned around and there was John, who gleefully signed it for me. Then we got to talking and he said he mingles with the crowds because he knows it was the fans that gave him the popularity that he has today and wanted to give something back. I really hope that I have the opportunity to meet him again. How do you guys manage to get in touch with the celebs? I will look up his website now that I think of it. Anyway, my main reason for writing is twofold. The first is to thank James for whatever it was he was going to say about my last feedback email. I'll bust on Ken for cutting him short if I make it to Icon <laughs> this year. James, thank you for that. It's always nice to feel involved and it made me feel involved again. One of these days, I will call in to discuss who. A fan of nearly 30 years, I have a lot of thoughts on it. 
My other reason for writing, though, was to talk about some of the Doctor Who novels that have been published from BBC Books. I recently read Wishing Well, WW, The Pirate Loop, TPL, and Peacemaker. I'm now working on the next batch of three, having just completed The Many Hands, but I will comment on the first batch today. I've always enjoyed reading Who books, and the new series of books have been consistently good. But reading the last batch made me realise that they were just that, good, not great. I have no gripes with any of them, although I came away with from WW and TPL, feeling that they were geared for a very younger audience, more so with TPL. Badges are fun creatures, and the story was not bad, but so much of it said, I want my seven-year-olds to read this story and enjoy it, that I forgot to that forgot to be geared to also for adults. The concept was very clever and I really liked that. It left a very, very, a very vivid image in my mind, but I could not shake the feeling that it was too childish. I read the Fast series too, but I got, got in expecting that to be for a younger audience. WW was much better as far as maturity goes, but still had that contrived feeling that just expects the reader to go with it. The town and everything about it seems so far-fetched, maybe because no such town exists here in the northeast that I know of, that I didn't know, think a few kids would get away with what they were doing and not run into snags every which way they turned. Along with the idea that friends can't detect strange behaviour and other friends, that hindered it for me also, as I can tell when friends on the phone are not themselves, let alone in person. Coupled by the behemoth creature at the end, it's like the original series always kept monsters to a restricted area to create a pseudo-realistic feel to the adventures. Maybe these events did happen, but who could prove it? People always say they are strange things. To the best of my recollection, only the terror of the Zygons had a large area affected by aliens, and that explains that the event will be written down to mass hysteria or something. But the more times you do a giant monster story where everyone sees it, the risk you, uh, you, the risk you take of messing up the future stories, because aliens are now the accepted thing. The new series has done away with that idea, with the Sycorax and the missing planets, but even there it's faulty. Take, for instance, all the kids' parents in Sarah Jane Adventures. They seem to think we live in a nice, happy world. Did they forget about the fact that Earth was pulled across space? It's one of the things that bothers me with the series and that any series that have a spin-off of another. Unless the events of the Stolen Earth has not happened yet in the SJA universe. I digress. Of the three books that in that batch, only the Peacekeeper felt mature. There was a general feeling of being in the Wild West. The problems that emerged, the issues they faced, and even the enemies all felt believable. There was a morbid sense of mockery when the aliens spoke in the vernacular of their hosts. You can almost see where the events unfolded from the author's control, for instance, where the father is gunned down. The visuals felt painful enough that a child could not fully appreciate what was going on, yet they were not so horrible that one would prevent their children from reading these books as they are too gory, or not too gory as the case may be. I am not a fast reader but by any means, but somehow these books rock it by, usually in about two days. I read a Torchwood book recently, and it took over a month. I read 150 pages of The Many Hands in a day and finished the rest the very next day. I've just started Martha in the Mirror and expect that will be a fast one as well. No matter what, Doctor Who books are fun and almost always make me walk away with a smile. I just wanted to share my thoughts on these with you. Oh, one thing, incidentally, the books can usually be read in any order, but I did feel a distinct linking thread which made me feel I had read them in the right order. 
TPL mentioned just how days before Martha had thrown money away into a well, this implying TPL followed WW. In the Peacemaker, the Doctor comments on the starship brilliant of TPL, which also implied to me that the, this, the following making the order, wishing well, the pirate loop and the Peacemaker. Also, I've not had the distinct impression that the Starship Brilliant was based on Douglas Adams' Starship Titanic. Overall, good books, but I'd uh, recommend most highly, the one I'd recommend most highly would be The Peacemaker. If you have any feedback to share with me this on this subject, I am all eyes, stroke ears. Thanks, and I hope to chat with you more soon, Rassilon. Well, thanks for that nice, long, lengthy email, Rassilon. It's great to see that you've... Uh, <laughs> been reading the book so heavily i do like to read the books as well and we're going to try our best to, to do more reviews of those and, and of the the audio books as we've been doing in the past few uh, podcasts but some nice valid points it is i guess doctor who is kind of a victim of its own success in in that um you know now the aliens are because uh, you want to see uh, epic stories vast stories where aliens are destroying everything but uh, then you have the problem that, of course, people have to acknowledge that aliens exist. And the, the way they've kind of uh, uh, taken that on board in the current series of Doctor Who, particularly with Donna, is that there's always been some kind of mitigating circumstance, like she's been out to the pub the night before and got heavily drunk and forgotten all about the events and so on and so forth. So I don't know. Or people just think that, that it, it's a bit of craziness or whatever. But... Nice to know, mate. Thanks for your little reviews there. I'm sure that the listeners will, will very much appreciate that. Yeah, it's very cool. Just as a last few little emails then, uh, nothing quite as long. We've had a nice one from, from Heather could Brown. Take Rassilon's emails and, and make them a book right there. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's awesome. Seriously, we do appreciate the yeah. feedback. Keep sending it in. Anyway, from Heather, she says, Good evening, gentlemen. Very appropriate. My name is Heather, and I reside in Austin, Texas. Who would have thought a, a Texan would like Doctor Who? <laughs> I've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock for a little over a month now, and I am very pleased with the broadcast, and I anticipate its weekly download from iTunes. For a long while, I thought I was the only Doctor Who fan in Texas, never mind the US. But I was pleased to hear, one of the recent episodes, that there is a group in San Antonio that meets frequently. I hope I don't inconvenience you too much to request some contact information for that group. I would love to be a part of it. Also, I found online the Doctor Who board game, Seen It, but I could only find it sold in the UK. Do y'all know if it will be available in the US any time in the near future? I do remember y'all discussing the different DVD regions. If I buy it from the UK, will it play on a US manufactured DVD player? Thank you for the weekly broadcast. I anticipate another great episode. Heather Marie Brown. Thank you, Heather. I hope you don't mind my terrible pronunciation of y'all. <laughs> I, sadly... I think that's awesome when James <laughs> says y'all. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't possibly say you all because then it just sounds silly. But anyway, I, I can't do a southern drawl, I'm afraid. You know so. what? It was worth the price of admission just to hear you do that. <laughs> I'll be sure to. It'll be my party piece. I'll be sure to uh, quote it. Uh, uh, what I'm going to try uh, and do is I'll uh, I'll look into that. I'm, I'm not sure if the DVD is a Region 2 DVD for seeing it, it. but Yeah, it could be. Since it's a game, maybe they could have region-coded zero, which means it would play in any machine, but we just don't know yet. Yeah, yeah we and, don't know. And, and I haven't seen it on any of the U.S. retailers, which leads me, leads me to believe that um, that it is a region two disc. You may check um, Amazon UK 
which the link is in our links section, our web resources section. Uh, and that would tell you usually on Amazon. And actually, I'm on Amazon well, if now. If any of our listeners have this game, it's seen it. It's a Doctor Who. Um, they've seen it. We should just explain that they do uh, various trivia-based games. I think it's mostly on TV. It could be mm-hmm. film as well. Anyway, so they have a Doctor Who theme one. So if you know if it's a region coded two or if they region coded it zero, which means it, it will play in the UK as well as any other machine, that would be the, the you know. I'm on uh, Amazon UK right now. And I'm just uh, while you guys are chatting, I'm going to look it up. And the same thing. Uh, um, it's a, it looks like the, it's a region two and it's a PAL because it says plays in any standard UK DVD player. Mm. But well, you can bypass that, of course, by um, if you download VLC, which is over at videoland.org, that will play any uh, region DVD. So you can in your, play in your it computer. Your computer. If you if you uh, have a computer or a laptop with a DVD drive, you can buy such things and, and use uh, VLC. VLC is a free download, and it's a it's a great download. media player. It, it it'll it'll play just about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you throw any video file at it, it's great. It doesn't complain. It just plays it, which is awesome. And it has a cool icon. <laughs> it does have a very cool icon. Um, aside from that, the San Antonio uh, group, I can't remember that, guys. Do you remember? Yes, uh, uh, I, I do, actually. And um, it's on our MySpace page, which is uh, myspace.com slash Doctor Who Podshock. And that will give you, uh, I do believe there's a contact on there. And I will look into that a little bit further and see what I can come up with. And I'll okay. mail it to the lady. Cool, cool, cool. So final email then. Uh, this is from uh, Matthew, Matthew Riegel or Regal. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right, fella. But he says, I thought I would let you know that Captain Jack Hartness was mentioned on Knight Rider in the week of the 11th of the 5th, 2008. I didn't even know that that, that they were still doing Knight Rider. It's a remake. It's a uh, re-envisioned. I haven't seen it yet. Right. There there is a um, just... A still? Yeah, just so our listeners know, and just uh, for both of you, if you don't know, someone had posted a a screen capture image of... I hadn't seen that episode either, but I haven't seen any episode of the new Knight Rider. But there is, um, in our forums, there's a... If you look for the Knight Rider topic in our forums you'll find that someone had uh, included a screenshot and there's one of the characters from the series, I guess, is dressed up as Captain Jack Harkness. And it's pretty cool to see a U.S. show, you know, having... It's not just a mere mention, but someone actually dressed up as a um, a character from Doctor Who and uh, Torchwood. Mm. It's always good to see that because it it's always seems to me to be an underground TV show in the States with kind of a cult status. So it's great that it's kind of becoming more mainstream in a way. Anyway, con- go on, go sorry, ahead. Ken. No, go ahead. I was going to say, continuing on with the email, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how I got into Doctor Who. My parents are Doctor Who fans and we watched... Uh, Doctor Who on PBS 7 in Spokane, wherever Spokane or Spokane is. Washington. 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 They showed shows not only from the Tom Baker era, but the third Doctor to the seventh Doctor. Late of night, of, of course, or at least that's what I remember from when I was younger. Then when we saw on the Sci-Fi Channel, we started to watch it again. Can you tell me the number for the public call box, please? Keep up the great work, 
Matthew. Lewis, do we still have access to the public call box? Or is that... We're, we're going to be um, setting up another, a new number very soon. Again. And, again, and again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have, um, very shortly, we'll have it on our website, our new public call box uh, phone-in number. Uh, once again, another new one. Uh, did, on a recent episode, did we cover Gordon Davies' um, email? I'm just looking through our the Podshock, um, Gordon my Podshock folder, and uh, Gordon Davy from from Edinburgh. I just yes, want to make yes, sure that we, we covered. Did. Our, oh, we did. Okay, we did. I yeah. just don't want to leave anybody behind because everybody's been so supportive. And well, that's so, it. And showing uh, the love. Indeed, and you can show us your love by emailing <laughs> us at feedback at podshock.net. How's that? And James for a will show you his love when you do that. <laughs> show me yours, I'll show you mine, something like that. Anyway. Um, as as Lewis pointed out, we will uh, bring about a new public call box number where you can reach us. But failing that, just uh, send us your audio files. It is an audio podcast. We do like to get your feedback in terms of audio. So record something and send it to us. Failing that, bring up Skype. And uh, our Skype name is just Podshock, right? And yes. people can leave us a message. You can and, leave a voice uh, message there. I, or just send us an MP3 file. You know, that's perfectly acceptable as well. Yeah. But feedback, feedback at Podshock.net. Feedback at Podshock.net. Yeah. Lewis, you say it now. Feedback at podshock.net. That feels Indeed. good. Feels good. <laughs> yeah, and we do appreciate everybody's emails, and, and that's really been, um, you know, it, it keeps us going because it, it's sort of uh, knowing that there are people out there listening because doing this in a vacuum would really suck. suck. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, that was... <laughs> <laughs> We're full um, of puns this evening. <laughs> Lewis, did you want to make a mention of of a few, few, uh, few people who have uh, contributed uh, recently? I know there were a few people that that had um, made a contribution. A donation, so to speak. It, yes. Well, everyone that listens to the show will be familiar with Dave A.C. Cooper. He had made a, um, a contribution of late. And um, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Okay. Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, October 24th. You sent me the email. Okay. Well, I, I I didn't have them prepared in front of me right now, so you caught. Me I know I caught you off guard, but I don't want to. I don't want to leave anybody out because it's been, uh, you know, everyone's uh, generosity is is really uh, it's very helpful and, and help keeps helps keep things going. You know, it, it's um, it's a, a podcast that we do out of love, and 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 pretty much anybody's contribution, no matter how small it is, helps to uh, offset some of the server costs and, and keep things going, and, and that's really all it's about. So. As well as um, Lister. Yeah. John, um, thank you so much for that. I think we, we always, well, Lewis is on the ball and he always sends out a, a lovely little email uh, to everybody because we do get inundated with, with loads and loads of email. And we can't reply to every single one, but Lewis always is on the ball and replies to the, the donations and everything. So uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and thank you so much for, to everybody who's helped out. It's, over the years, it's been great. And, and uh, you know, we 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 are here giving our time and our efforts and and our money as well to to keep things going. And, and, and like I said, uh, every little bit helps sort of offset that. Uh, it, it sounded I'm sounding like uh, we're in the old days, Lewis, with the the PBS pledge drive for your forty dollar contribution. Well, you can get this wonderful <laughs> Podshock mug. <laughs> 
it may come to that again. There, if you would like to uh, make a contribution, and, and no matter how small or how big, it's always helpful. You can go to our site, gallifrandembassy.org or podchock.net. And on the left-hand side, there's you'll see a um, a, Have a, a, panel, heart a, a box or a block, if you will, that says uh, support Podchock. And there's a donate button, um, all major uh, credit cards and PayPal is accepted. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a if there's a currency, we'll take it. <laughs> um, well, U.S. Uh, not U.S. I mean Earth currency. <laughs> the other thing, uh, a great way of showing support, I mentioned it earlier in the show, is is through the uh, the Podshock store. Either there's a U.S. and a U.K. button on the website, because with a purchase of of something that you can wear or use that says Doctor Who Podshock, um, there's some money attached to that. It comes back. It does the exact same thing. It's a donation, and it goes towards offsetting the cost so that that too and that it, it's twofold not only is it a donation to help keep the server going but if you get yourself a t-shirt or now the, the winter's here a sweatshirt which i have i have a great hoodie and i i wear the hell out of it um you know you show your 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 love for podchock wherever you go which is great and it has led to some very interesting situations over the years with people wearing it so to say the um, least and, and lastly yes. w- without even uh, doing anything monetarily you can also show your support by taking our audience survey which is um, a form on our site if you go to gallifrandembassy.org or podchock.net and there's a banner ad right there in the middle to take our audience uh, survey and it's just a few questions that will um, help us in the future and maintaining our program our pod uh, pod cast yeah and it, and it sort of uh, it helps us with the demographics of, of who is listening you know in order to uh to get an idea of, of who's out there and stuff and then we we know uh, obviously that you're all doctor who fans and and also say i want to say thank you for everyone who's subscribed on itunes to some of the new things the sonic news driver which is lewis trapani's um solo project and uh, to the hitchhiker's guide to british sci-fi which is the three of us it's Podshock, it's doctor who Podshock. Without Doctor Who, it's it's British sci-fi minus British sci-fi. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like we uh, deliberately people, purposely exclude Doctor Who. <laughs> it has it has a um has its own feed. Both those um, spinoffs have their own feed, and we want to thank everybody uh, for for subscribing. It's it's been great, and thank everyone who spread the word. We have been uh, number one in iTunes for Doctor Who for a few months now, and uh, and that's really been great. It's it's a uh, it's a, it's a sign that, that new people keep discovering the podcast. So we want to thank you very much, and, and thank you for, for all you've done. All right. Well, we'll hopefully see everybody out in Boston this weekend. And if not, we'll see everybody back on Dr. Who Podjock real soon. Yes. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run Gallifreyembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This episode is sponsored in part by the New England Fan Experience. Be sure to attend New England's ultimate fan experience at the Hyatt Regency in Cambridge, Massachusetts on November 21st, 22nd, and 23rd 
Visit www.nefanx.com for details. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. This has been an Art Trap production brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you.